Good evening, friends. Doing all right? Um, I'm so glad you're here. And I know I'm saying that to a group, so you're like, that's super impersonal. Um, but personalize that for me, because I really am. It's, it's a sobering thing to think about who's represented in this room. You know, sometimes you project what you bring into this room on other people. It's not the same. Not the same. There are people who are walking through the doors tonight who are really struggling with a family situation, medical issues, stuff that feels deeply personal. They had to drag themselves here tonight. It's difficult to walk through the doors. There are people who feel alone and isolated. They had to drag themselves here tonight. Some of you are like busting through these doors on fire. You're like, I can't wait to be here tonight. It's so cool that all of those things are true. They're all equally true. But I think sometimes it's easy to believe that your experience has been other people's experience. I'm shocked to figure out sometimes like who you sit amongst. And I don't mean that in a weird way. I just mean that you, there are people in this, this room who's like, who walked through a season of homelessness growing up. There are people in this room who are so sheltered that are like, I wasn't ever allowed to see an R-rated movie, and even though I probably could do it now, I'm still fr I'm afraid to do it. <laughs> like, that, that whole spectrum sits in this group, and I'm glad you're here. No matter where on that spectrum you fall, you feel close to God, you feel a million miles away from Him, I'm glad you're here. Also, for what it's worth, um, because I've been around campus ministry for a while, okay, and here's the pattern that I see. Oftentimes, the first few weeks of school, August, whatever, 7th, 10th, whenever you landed here on campus, until now, tends to be about developing deep friendships, deep relationships. Like, how do I find other people, especially those of you who came to campus as Jesus followers, and you're like, I need to find a faith community. Awesome. I hope you have. I hope you're going deep. I hope that that continues. But let me tell you this. Things get weird if we just focus on ourselves, if we, if we turn inward. If this begins to be about me and my relationship with God and who I am, things get ugly and weird and broken. That's not what the love of Jesus is about. It flows through us and out of us. And if it doesn't, it spoils, goes bad, it gets nasty. It's weird that way. The love of Jesus was never meant to be hoarded. It's meant to be shared. And our text takes us that direction tonight. I just, that, that's, that's like pre-sermon stuff. I just want to give that to you because I want you to understand this is part of, of, of why you're here, like on the planet and on your campus, that God's put you here for that reason, right? But let me turn a corner here because I want to take us toward our text. Um, this is the question that I was processing through as I was, I was prepping for tonight. Have you ever had a job where you were required to wear a uniform? Anybody? Quite a few of you. As I was processing through that question, I was like, man, I've had a lot of different jobs in my life. Like, especially when I was a teen, I worked grocery stores and did all this other stuff. There's only one I think I was required to wear a uniform. I, I was a waiter at Cheddar's for a while. I had to wear a uniform there. Um, I had to wear a tie other places. Like, I had to dress up in some of the spaces that I worked. But that was the only place I had to wear a uniform. Super interesting, though. I mean, I know, uh, like, half of you work at Chick-fil-A, right? So, you know, like, a Chick-fil-A uniform is your... Um, yeah, and I know you because if I say thanks for anything, you're like, my pleasure, and I know that's where you work. But no, so the way that a uniform works is this. Authority is given to you. Now, in some places that you work, it might be just a tiny bit of authority. You might not have much authority with that uniform, but there's some, there's, there's some authority that comes with the uniform. Someone at Chick-fil-A has decided that you will represent Chick-fil-A as an employee, Someone at Taco Bell has decided that you will represent Taco Bell International as an employee. And again, not a lot of authority, 
comes with that badge, all right? But there is some. There's a transition of authority that happens from one person to another in that. And as you go further up the chain, that, that authority gets more important, you know? So if we're talking about military, if we're talking about you joining the army, then them handing you a uniform means probably a little bit more. Authority has just been handed over to you. There's a word that we use for that. It's commissioning. You commission someone. We use that for the Navy or the, you know, all of the military branches, but especially the police. We talk about being, police being commissioned. There's even a police commissioner, right? You may not be familiar with this, but even if, if there was a situation where um, there weren't enough police officers and they really needed to do a task, they could deputize. They could just pull random. They could come and grab 10 of you tonight and be like, we're going to temporarily deputize you. Here's your badge right? We're giving Jackson a gun and a badge. No, no gun, just a badge, okay? <laughs> and and he, the authority of the police department in that deputization now rests on him. Why? Because someone in authority gave him authority. Someone in authority gave you authority. That comes with the uniform, right? You're commissioned. That's the idea. Deputized. It's the same exact thing, this idea. You don't always feel ready for that, though. I don't know if you've held a job where you've been given authority and you're like, man, I was not prepared <laughs> for the authority that was handed over to me in this. I've had a couple of those situations. But one of them that came to mind, there was a dude here um, a few years ago. He was, um, he was studying to be a police officer, graduated, became a normal police officer here in town, and he told me one of his first like weekends on call, um, not far, somewhere around campus, there were, uh, there were these three college students who um, illegally hopped a fence into a, into a pool, a private pool, and they were swimming in it, okay? And one of the, I, one of, the, of course, it was a guy. It had to be a guy. I don't, I don't know it, but I'm going to assume it was a guy, all right? Tried to do a backflip or something, hit his head, was in the pool unconscious. His friends pulled him out, not breathing. They called the police, okay? Dispatcher calls my friend. They're, they're like right around the corner from where this happened, so they flipped their lights on, um, and again, he's been a police officer for like a week and a half, okay? They come screaming around. I mean, they're, they're pulling up on the scene like 60 seconds after these people have called 911. He sprints over to the gate, hops the gate, lands in there. The guy is there, has a heartbeat, isn't breathing, and he's like, and the first thought in my head is, we should call somebody. <laughs> and he's like, oh yeah. I am the person that they called to do this. I mean, it's like paramedics had been dispatched, but him and his partner were the only two people on the scene. And he's like, I'm it. I'm the person that they called for this emergency. So they start doing CPR. When the paramedics got there, they took over CPR. They revived this dude. Everything was fine. He was like a hero on weekend two of his job. It was a cool place to be. But have you ever been in that space where you're like, I am not prepared? Like, they put a badge on him. But nobody told him, hey, two weeks in, somebody might live or die, depending on the decision that you make in this moment. There's real authority that's been given. That's what commissioning is. That's what being deputized is. There's authority that's granted on someone else's behalf. And that takes us right to the dead center of our text today. So let's look at that together. It is Matthew 28, which we call the great commissioning, even though you won't see that word in our text. Here it is. This, by the way, is happening after Jesus did his ministry, was killed, and then was raised from the dead again. They're talking to a resurrected Jesus in this passage. Here we go. 
Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Let me pause in the text there for just a second because I don't have a lot of time to talk on this tonight. I've said in the past, I struggle with skepticism. Like, I'm, I'm a critic, and I don't, I don't think God has a problem with us using our brains as followers of Jesus, all right? I don't think you turn a faith switch on and your brain switch goes off. We're supposed to use both of them together. But it's super interesting in this passage that there are people standing in front of the resurrected Jesus who are like, nope, this is not an issue of their brain. This is an issue of their will. This is the difference between a critical heart and a critical mind. Those are two very different things. And like I said, that's a whole sermon on its own. But I want you to see right in the middle of this passage that there are people who are looking at the resurrected Jesus and saying, I still won't believe. I will not at this point. Let me move on. Jesus came and said to them, all authority. See that word? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, see it? There's that tap on the shoulder. Pay attention. Behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age, Jesus says. That's Matthew 28, 16 through 20. This is our last night in the Behold series, by the way. And I love wrapping it up with this text. Because the idea here is that Jesus has authority. Did you see it in the passage? All authority has been given to me, he says. He has it. And this is where the commissioning comes in. Because he says, based on that authority, here's what I want you to do on my behalf. Which is why we call this the Great Commission. And I want you to think of this, you know. If I had last words to give you, those would be pretty important. I'm on my deathbed, and I'm like, come closer. No, come closer. And I whisper these words to your ear. Those, those words would matter, right? Jesus dies, is resurrected, and then this is the message he has for his disciples. All authority on earth, heaven and earth, has been given to me. And I want you to go into all nations, make disciples, baptizing them, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded, Jesus said. Well, let me give you a fall retreat review. Some of you were there, some of you weren't. So for some of you, this would be brand new info. For some of you, you're like, oh, I recognize these because we use these at retreat. This is the story of God baked into four just different panels. And we talked about this in each of our sessions. Creation. God creates heaven and earth, and it's perfect. Matter of fact, through creation, we get an image through even us of who God is and his character and his nature and how good he is. But you know, it didn't last, right? We see the fall, where all of it, creation, you and I, broke, shattered. So we have both beauty and pain that sits within us at all times. Through Christ, through his part of the story, we have rescue. We have this beautiful rescue where Jesus said, I can take this pain and I can take it away from you. Jesus didn't just die for you, he died instead of you. That's what we talked about Saturday night of, here, of, of retreat. Here's what I, I want you to do, though, because the end of the story is restoration, but this, this panel right here is often where we stop. And I think we sell Christianity short, you guys, when we talk about Jesus, but we talk about this as if it's the end of the story. We talk about our story as if Jesus is fire insurance, to be like, well, he'll keep you from hell. That's the good news. That's good news. I don't know if it's great news, though. 
Because when we stop the story right here, it just sort of feels like, well, I guess I got to spend the rest of my life on this mud ball (laughs) until heaven happens because this salvation event is behind me. And then I just have to wait for something else. You guys, this is a beautiful panel tied with this because God brings us into a part of the great restoration. And it's not just in the future. It is coming, but it's also in the present. He's doing these things now. There is hope to be had in this world. There is joy to be found in this world. There is love and there is beauty to be found here. We get to join with him in dragging creation into the great restoration of all things. Let me say that again in case you missed it. We get to join with him. This is an invitation. This is an invitation to join Christ in the great restoration of all things, in writing human history, you guys. That's a good end to the story. And it's one that shouldn't be forgotten. And this is the invitation into it. God's great commissioning on you and I. Now, the other thing is, Jesus is the one that has the authority to hand over. You notice that? All authority in heaven on earth has been given to him. And so he, it's, if I walk up to you guys and say, and I hand you a little plastic badge and say, you're a policeman, you're not, okay? You can't just go out and act on that and say, Ben Miller said, doesn't matter. It's not going to help you in front of a judge with whatever you did, okay? Because I don't have that authority, I can't, I can't be, like, write a note from your pastor and be like, I give them permission to act as a police officer. It's not going to do you any good, okay? But Jesus has that authority to hand over. And the question that we have to ask here is if God has saved us, what's our salvation for? Just to forgive me of sins? No, it takes me deeper. It takes me into this commissioning. It takes me into the great restoration of all things. That's what my salvation is for. That's why God has brought me close to him. 2 Peter 3.9 tells us that God isn't slow in keeping his promises, that he's patient, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. You guys, God loves us. He loves this campus. That person you work with that is unbelievably annoying, God loves them, cares deeply about them, wants to see their healing. My wife and I spent, uh, we got to spend the last few days in Chicago. We got to go to four Cubs games, watch them, yeah. We got to watch them be beaten mercilessly over and over and over again. Um, You guys know the number of homeless people I walk by this weekend? Every one of them made in God's image. Every one of them that he cares deeply about. I did not pass by a human being that my father didn't care deeply about, that he wants to see restored, that he wants to see bought back. Every human being is close to his heart, wanting everyone to come to repentance and that none should perish. That's the father's heart. He is redeeming things. We talked about, on the Sunday of fall retreat, we talked about Revelation 21. No more tears, no more suffering, no more sorrow. It's all wiped away in the great restoration of all things. And this rescue is tied to it. But this isn't the end of the story. And this is the invitation into it. So, what are we supposed to do Okay, if we're commissioned, that means that we have a job to do. What are we putting the uniform on to do? Well, this is where it's beautifully simple. 
All right? I know that a lot of times my job as a teacher, like I look at these things in the text and I'm like, how does this translate into our culture? How does this translate into your generation? Tonight, this ain't that hard. Go. All right? This is what the passage tells us to do. Go. Um, this is in the ESV. Do you want to know how it's translated in the NLT? Go. Um, NIV? Go. Amplified? Go. Message version? Go. You get it? King James Version, go ye. Okay, it's close. It's a little older. But it's the same thing, go. If I'm, if I'm uh, hiking with you and I'm 50 yards in advance and you can't quite see me and I come running out of the woods and I say, run, okay, and I run past you, you do not in that moment be like, well, what do you mean by run? Do you mean like, are we talking about a light jog? Or are you talking about like a brisk walk? What do you mean by run, Ben? No, you run. It's just an imperative. It's the command. Run. Do it. Sometimes we, it, when we talk about the Bible, it makes me crazy because we're like, well, we should, maybe we could sit and unpack the Greek. You guys, the Greek means go, okay? The Greek means go. There's this imperative that other people need to know who Jesus is. Jesus is saying go. Some scholars translate this as as you go. You know what that still means? Go. It means you're already going, actually, if you translate it that way. All of it means the same thing. We have this imperative to go. Do you own that as a personal commissioning, not just to us as Christians, but to you? You're like, okay, well, if, if he wants us to go, where? Everywhere. All nations, it says in the passage. Jesus specifically puts it this way when he's talking in Acts 1.8. He says, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. That's like concentric circles, like this. If I can put that in your language, Jesus would be saying it this way. He'd be saying, you are my witnesses on your campus. You are my witnesses in your community. And you are my witnesses globally, all over the world. That's who you are. You're supposed to go all over the place. And as you go, you take the love of Christ with you. What does it mean for you to go? What does it mean for you to love your campus? What does it mean for you to love your community? What does it mean for you personally to love your world? This isn't all about you. This is not just about your own personal rescue. This is about you being drugged into the great restoration of all things. It's not selfish. The love of Jesus Christ spoils if you don't share it. It wasn't meant just for you. And if you feel like it is, then you're misunderstanding it. Because Jesus models a very different path. Well, if we're supposed to go everywhere, what are we supposed to do? Well, again, it stays pretty simple here, you guys. We're supposed to help others experience Jesus. That's what make disciples means. And Jesus breaks it down for us in two, uh, he, in two different ways. He says you should baptize. Baptism is a picture of people coming to Jesus for the first time. I, I, I labeled that as surrendering surrendering their lives at the feet of Christ. And Jesus said, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. That's obedience. That's obeying. So what are we supposed to, to go and help other people experience? Surrendering their lives to Jesus. That's the upfront cost. And learning how to follow him forever. Where do we do that? All over the world. Everywhere. Our campus, our community, our world. That's who we're in touch with. And how do we do it? Well, we do it by going. We do it by going. Now, here's the beautiful thing. You know how I talked about 
how if we have been given authority in a job, we have a uniform. Our uniform is Jesus. That's what's crazy. This verse in Galatians, Galatians 3.27 says, all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ, like putting on new clothes. You guys, Christ is our uniform. He transforms us. He changes us. John 13, 35, all people will know that you are my disciples. How? Do you know it? What? If you love one another, all will know that you are my disciples by the way that you love one another. That's the uniform that we have on. That's the way that we represent Christ to the world all over the place, by the love that we share for each other. And the accompanying promise, you guys, did you hear the behold in there? Jesus said, behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You guys, my friend, who was the, the police officer, who, you know, who got called to that drowning, um, he did not feel equipped. He was trained for emergencies. He knew what to do. He knew CPR. All of that stuff was there. But when he showed up and there is somebody on the ground who is not breathing, I promise he was not confident that he was the right person for the job. God knew that when he gave you this task, that when he told you to go, that you would feel like, ah, I don't know. I don't know if I'm the right person for this job. God, seriously, me? I don't, I don't know. Jesus gave us the only promise that we needed to be given. I'll be with you. I will be with you even to the very end of the age. Listen, it's interesting in the passage that we have here, the behold is in that space where he says, here's your great commission, but pay attention, I'll be with you. Not going to leave you. I'll be with you to the very end of the age as you practice it. God, I don't feel like I'm prepared for this. Nobody does. Nobody does. God has a great long list. Read your Bible of people who felt called but not equipped to do it. Every great leader I've ever met started by feeling like they were the wrong person for the job. But they're not. Not when, the one God, not when God is the one doing the calling. Your campus, your community, your world. There's one other kind of warning I guess I want to give you in this too that I think we miss the mark in sometimes. Um, some of you know Bethany, who was around last year. Dear friend in the ministry, um, was an intern here. We call her Betty. Um, Bethany's in law school at U of I right now, and what's cool about her story, and yours, by the way, is that she was trying to pray through whether or not God was calling her to ministry, what she was going to do, um, and law school has always been front and center, and praying through this, she really felt affirmed that what God was asking her to do was to go to law school. She and I talked a lot about that. Do you know what's cool? she will be walking people through some of the darkest spaces of their lives. Financial ruin, divorce, family separation, death, businesses unraveling. She will be called across the table to represent people who are walking through a very, very difficult space that I will never be able to minister to. And it was so cool talking with Bethany and being like, hey Bethany, you are a pastor. You're just in disguise for the rest of your life. You're going to be disguised as a lawyer, but that's not really who you are. You guys, we have graduated missionaries from this ministry. We've graduated pastors. We've got a guy who's planting a church in Arizona. We've got kindergarten teachers whose calling is just as important. Loving on that five-year-old child who needed 
the love of Christ shown to them that day in the public school. And that is the only friendly face they will see from 7 a.m. until they go to bed at 9 p.m. at night. That's the only friendly face they'll see is yours. You have a calling. You have been commissioned. God has taken his authority and he has put it on your chest. And I don't care if you're a kindergarten teacher. I don't care if you're a janitor. I don't care how you end up. You have a calling and a commission that has been placed on your life. Please take that seriously. This isn't accidental. This go works, whether you're on the other side of the planet or whether you're mopping floors down the hall. It doesn't matter. The calling on your life is still there. Go, Jesus says. Take me with you. That's incredible. And it's more than just a personal past that gets you out of hell. It is an invitation into the great restoration of all things. You have been commissioned. You are deputies. Well, how do I know where I'm supposed to go? Well, you sample. That's what you do, okay? Um, when I was in your shoes, I had zero experience with any, like I, I, didn't, I didn't go on mission trips. I hadn't really been on that kind of stuff um, very much. And I had a friend who said, hey, why don't you come with me to the Czech Republic? This was, this was uh, right the summer before I student taught, okay? And so I'm almost done with college at that point. And um, so I went there for two months, spent some time in Eastern Europe, and in that space, um, you know, like we were doing English camps with students, we were sharing the gospel, we were doing music, and we were doing all these different things. You guys, it was so far outside of my comfort zone. <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing, did not feel equipped. God was so faithful in each step. And you know what? When I finished that process, I did not walk away feeling like I would be doing international missions for the rest of my life. I didn't feel like God had put that calling in my heart, but he did create some different callings in my heart that eventually led me here to do campus ministry. Thank you, Jesus, for that experience. As a ministry, we want to give you opportunities to sample. We want to give you opportunities to try going to the other side of the planet or try going to the other side of the state or try serving in your community here. We want to give you lots of different ways to go so you can be like, you know what? I'm not sure if, like, glad I did that. I'm not exactly sure if that's what God's calling me to long term. You guys, maybe all he does is just make rock solid this affirmation that the place that you are in right now, what you are training for, is exactly what you're supposed to do for the kingdom. Awesome. I hope you feel that commissioning tonight, that deepened responsibility of I am a representative of Jesus Christ, deputized and put on this planet to be a part of the great restoration of all things. But some of you may be missionaries. Some, some of you may plant churches. Some of you may work in daycares. Some of you may make huge discoveries, all of them in the name of Jesus. And praise God that he's going to use you that way.